0: The 1-2 Football Podcast, the voices of tomorrow, here today.
1: Hey guys, welcome back to the 1-2 Football Podcast. I'm Nathan and today we're talking about some of football's hottest topics, including Aguero's departure and England under-21's failure to qualify from the groups again. As usual, I'm joined by Ollie and Kieran. How are you guys getting on?
0: I'm all right, yeah. I just wanted to say one thing real quick. We talked about VAR last week, and I'm, we all said we dissed it. We all dissed it. But then last night in the Germany game, I mean, clear handball. It just makes you, at moments like that, think, we do need VAR. I just wanted to say Wait, that real early.
1: Who did the decision benefit?
0: Germany. They lost, anyway. They still oh. lost. But... Yeah, yeah, they still, it technically, it didn't change the game, but it could have been 3-1 because, I mean, Germany handballed it clearly in the box and um, North Macedonia or whatever didn't get the penalty. But I just look. I watched the highlights and I was thinking, that's when VAR, VAR, I feel like, has been needed so much in these qualifiers. And yet I was slagging it off last week. So it's just like, where? what do we do? Because it's rubbish. But when we don't have it, it just it's more controversial. So... Just wanted to get but that. It, it's subjective,
2: isn't it, with how with how the decisions play out and stuff? That's that's the problem with it, really. Because you could you could argue as well in, in the England game, I'm pretty sure there was a Maguire handball as well, which was not a definite. But, you know, it, it, you worry with VAR there. It could have gone, could have just given it out of nowhere. And so you kind of have to think about these things and put it into perspective of what it would do. Um, but, I mean, Germany losing, regardless of... Shocking. anything is just is very embarrassing. Oh. Tim won't Howl.
0: miss howling. Oh, it's so bad, isn't it? So bad. We're we going to talk about it later, but Chelsea should sign Aguero. I know they're interested, but they need to get him to replace that, <laughs> that block. Anyway, how are you carrying?
1: Been, been enjoying the international break care Um,
2: no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, to be fair, I've watched a few more EFL games than I would normally do. Um, but it, it was like, Saturday and Sunday just felt like a weekday, really. Like uh, nothing really massively differentiated it, because you know, in the days of no fans, it's football every two hours. It feels like, um, so to not have that was weird. Um, but no, it's, it's I'm just glad it's over now.
1: <laughs> it's only I've probably watched about three football matches. So <laughs> I mean, good stuff for this podcast. I've barely watched anything. Watched the City game at Exeter. Or I should say like, say City, but. And then, one, we'll talk about the England under-21s and how naff they've been. I'm lucky enough not to watch any of them, but I've seen the highlights and I've just got I've got a lot to say about the England under-21s. But we will talk about it. so let's Someone
0: get in. Someone in particular? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, you're going to go crazy on him. Let's, let's get into it before you start yeah, that. Come on.
1: So it was announced earlier this week that Sergio Aguero will be finally leaving Manchester City after, I believe, 10 years at the club? Maybe, maybe longer, maybe less. Um, guys, what do you think? I mean, this is huge news. He feels like he's been a, a staple of Manchester City in the modern era. I think it's.
0: The, I think it is the end of an era, really, for Man City. I mean, he's the last member of that, you know, title-winning 2011 um, team to go. So it, it's huge, and he's been sort of that sort of guy that person say for the last decade. He's been most definitely the best striker in the Premier League for the past ten years. So it's a real shame to see some of that quality sort of leave. Um, whether or not he leaves the Premier League completely is yet to be known. There's a lot of clubs going for him, um, which I'm sure we'll touch on in a bit. Um, but yeah, it's it's weird to think of Man City and not Aguero. I know we said last week about Messi and Barcelona go hand in hand, but sort of Aguero goes sort of like that, not so much, but still goes like that with uh, Man City. So it's a massive shame. But obviously, as a rival, as Man United fan, it's it's kind of a good news as well. I know he's not being at the races that much this season, but it's I'm not going to complain with some of the best players leaving them. So so yeah.
1: It's 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 a strange one because his his obviously his playing time has kind of gone down over the years. It, it, Gabriel Jesus has kind of had to take that role, and they Man City kind of just play anyone up front in that midfield. It's been obviously mainly due to Aguero's injuries. But where where do you see his future kind of lying, Kip?
2: I, I think for for me, what resonates most was what he said in the All or Nothing documentary. In that you know he's. He may have this lavish lifestyle of living in a big house, on a big wages, playing football, but at the end of the day, he's still human and he misses home. Like that's, I think that's just how it works for a lot of people. You know, he's got got a a young family um, who he's he's away from. So it's bound to take a toll on anyone. And I think, especially when you're not playing, you know, especially this season, Aguero spent a lot of time away from the pitch. Um, So you can only imagine it's massively distressing for him mentally as well as physically being injured. Um, so I, I wouldn't at all be surprised if, if he does go back to, to Argentina. Um, I'm I'm not sure where you know you look at Carlos Tevez, um, somebody like that who'd gone back to you know kind of where, where he was known and loved. Um, but then at the same time, you you look at you know kind of past seasons for Agüero and he's still getting those numbers. Of course, this season hasn't exactly gone brilliant for him. But if if he can get himself up to full fitness and, and full speed. He's a, he's a deadly striker at the end of the day. He might have lost, you know, a few yards of pace, but I don't think you can take away that penalty box pedigree that he has. You know, that's something that's kind of ingrained with you. And, and yes, you know, it might involve more running for the people alongside him, um, but I think he'd be a huge asset to any Premier League club if he can still prove that that he can maintain that level for a, for a substantial number of games. And and I saw a, I saw a stat that showed, you know, the positions for all of Aguero's goals and the amount of goals he scored from those tight angles and one-on-one situations is is quite ridiculous to be honest you know when you think about it bearing down on goal from angle the keeper's got pretty much everything covered you know to have that striker's initiative to either go for the far post go for the through the legs, or go for the near post is incredible and I don't think that's something that deteriorates over age so it's just about if he can start to understand his body and where it's at now and and more things like that, then I wouldn't be at all surprised to see if he he remains in the Premier League because I genuinely think he's still at that that calibre of
0: striker he is. I mean, I saw in the news uh, earlier today, actually, that Arsenal, Chelsea, and I can't believe this, but apparently Manchester United have all already been in contact with him. So he's that hot of a property. Whether or not that's true is yet to be seen. Um, But, I mean, why not? They're all... They're all big clubs that need a striker, that need a goal scorer. And, yeah, I can see him, me and Nathan were saying a minute ago, I can see him going to Chelsea. Um, Not Man United. He's been at Man City for 10 years. I think as much as he is loved by Man City, I think he would be hated by them if he just dipped to go to uh, Manchester United. Um, But, yeah, Arsenal, maybe. But I I just... In my mind, he doesn't fit there. He just doesn't look like he should play for Arsenal. But Chelsea, I think that's a real option for him. And um, I'm, I saw in the news that hes he is debating staying in the Premier League because he, he does think he can still play at the top of level for a little bit longer. But I mean, yeah, like you said in the documentary, he, he said that he does feel lonely in um, in England sometimes. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes. But he's too old in my opinion, not too old, too. He's not old enough yet to move back to Argentina. Got that completely wrong way around. And he's still got too much talent. He's such a good goal scorer he's lethal like you said and he's the in the last decade past 10 years he's the top premier league goal scorer he's got the most assists in the premier league ever he's the fourth top premier league goal scorer in history and um got the most hat tricks um ever so i mean he's i think he's also the top overseas striker in the premier league as well in terms of goals so i mean he's a legend in the premier league he's always going to be known as you know one of the best in some minds the best premier league striker in history so it would be a shame if he goes, but I personally think he's going to stay in the Premier League for a year, maybe a year and a half or two years more. I think he might do a Cavani sort of stint and maybe Chelsea, you never know.
1: It's interesting because obviously I think a lot of people assumed he would, if he was to stay at the top level of football, it would be to Barcelona. And that's where he would go. But I mean, upon sort of talking about the news scene today, I've seen that Harland is looking like kind of, there's talks for Haaland to go to Barcelona. I don't know where they've managed to get the money for that, but. Apparently, that so that kind of you know, wait If that happens, there's no way Aguero ends up at Barca because they just all won't need it with, with Haaland and Griezmann and a few of the other players they've got. And aside from, I saw I did a quick little Google search of who played for in Argentina, it was Independiente. So that's probably where he would go back to if he was to um, go back to Argentina. So it kind of does shorten down your options. It, Chelsea, I could Chelsea, maybe it, out of, if he still wants to play, I'd say PSG kind of, I can see Aguero playing PSG. But I don't know if that—that's not—that's off my head. Nothing else. No new source. The source is me for that one. So I—I I haven't got anything else for that. But where does he rank in terms of the best Premier League? I mean, just, i mean, obviously we've missed a few because of our age. But in terms of best of all time, where—where where do you think he goes?
2: I—I I think in when you think about it in terms of our era, obviously you've got the Rooneys and the Omries and people like that who were kind of the tail end or their their prime for us and you you might not be able to remember it too clearly. But Aguero is someone who, you know, I can I can still remember his debut. Um I might I may get this wrong, which would be quite embarrassing if I've just said I can remember his debut, but pretty sure it was uh against Swansea, scored twice in a four 0 win, and one of them was from about thirty yards out. And he's just he was just that sort of player who when you picked up the ball, you just had a feeling that he was going to do something with it. You know, prime example against QPR in the, the most nail-biting situation ever. Drives forward like, you know, he takes a chance, basically. It was quite easy in that situation to cycle out to the wings and whatnot, but he doesn't. He, he doesn't play like that. And it resulted in one of the most memorable goals in the history of the Premier League. So for me, he's right up there. Um, I, I think it's, it's difficult to... It's difficult for us, I think, because of those players kind of slightly before our time, who were still who were tearing up the leagues, you know, the, the early noughties kind of area. You know, obviously we were aware of football at that point. I don't think we were quite as engrossed in it as we soon were in the next few years. Um, in terms of where I'd actually put him, I think I would go second. I think. I think Wayne Rooney just edges it for me. Um, you know, I, I just, he was just a different kind of player on his day, you know, from such a young age as well. And for such a you know substantial amount of time, you know, I, I I can't remember exactly what the record was, but he scored that ridiculous free kick against Stoke that tied him for something, and I well, can't remember what it you know, was. I think it might have been yeah, but that was sort of the tail end of his of his career at United as well. So, so to still hit that was incredible, and you know the days of him playing with you know Nani, Ronaldo was just even as a Spurs fan, you know it, it you just have to appreciate football sometimes. Um, but Aguero is a close close second for me I don't know about you Ollie I imagine that Wayne Rooney you know for a bit of bias is probably your your it, highest as
0: well I'm, I think I'm gonna shock you he's not he's not in terms of I'm gonna go from the sort of players I can remember like you said the others will call, we sort of were there in the curtain tail end of their sort of career so I'm gonna go with my top three I think that I've personally seen is gonna be in no order this is Rooney Aguero and Van Persie um, three quality quality strikers if we're talking about all-round footballers, I am putting Rooney top. Because you saw him playing all the different positions and as a Man United fan, he is hes amazing. He was my number one Man United player when he was playing for Man United because he was just incredible and what he did for the club is amazing. But if we're talking about cl- being clinical and the best finisher, I'm probably going to go Aguero. Just because I feel like, I, I know Rooney scored more goals. But Aguero just, when, when Rooney got on the ball, and I know towards the end of his career, he kind of, he was missing some shots, stuff like this. And and Aguero just seems to have not lost it. Even when he's when he's not injured, that is. Even if he's on the pitch, you know, all he needs is that one opportunity to take it. And I just feel like, I know he hasn't scored as many as Rooney in the long run. But, I don't know, I think Aguero is just a better, better finisher on the ball, um, sort of in his prime. And No disregard to Rooney. Rooney was an amazing striker, and he's still one of my favourite football players ever. But yeah, I'd say Aguero, then I'd say Rooney, then I would say Van Persie for one about finishing. But if one about overall strikers, yeah, I'd put Rooney top. Um, and Aguero, I don't know, second or third. I, I've, I really liked Van Persie. I really liked Van Persie. So it's a tough one. But... Yeah, maybe I'm going to say joint second. I'm going to, you know, win part of that one. I'm going <laughs> to put joint second with Van Persie. But if one about finishing and you want to go, I'm going to put uh, aguero top. which, you know, going to clearly shock you there, Kieran. But, you know. It did what, a bit, it did, yeah. What about you, Desmond?
1: I, I try, I'm try. i trying to pay homage to the time before me. Um, and I, you can't not have Thierry Henry first. I think Thierry Henry, most people, is the greatest player to ever play in the Premier League. But he was a striker, therefore, in turn, making him the best striker to ever play in the Premier League. Um, Alan Shearer has to feature on the list because just the amount of goals he scored. Wayne Rooney, for again as we said, has to feature on the list. It's I always feel like Aguero probably in terms of because it's about what he's done in the Premier League. There's strikers that play in the Premier League that I think are a bit better than Aguero. Like Suarez, for example, I think Suarez is better than Aguero. But Suarez was only in the Premier League for for a short stint, you know, for three four years, well, not short stint, but sort of like a medium stint. So Aguero probably comes in about fourth or fifth for me. Drogba is in the conversation. I don't know where. But he's in the conversation somewhere, <laughs> as is Van Persie. Um, I think Harry Kane will be in that discussion soon. We could have this conversation in five years' time. It's I think even all the players
0: who ever play in the Premier League right
1: now. <laughs> <laughs> I think Harry. What about Kane, Torres? You know, Torres is another example of a player that I think is better, <laughs> better than Aguero at his pump obviously, he wasn't. You know, Torres had that sort of sharp decline in form. If Torres had carried on, we'd be talking. I, I feel like we're talking Torres kind of just below Rooney in that list. But I think for me, he comes in 4 or fifth. For me and I, I probably think about it, but he comes, he, he gets it, you get your League definitely. Serbia, right?
0: And, it, and <laughs> yeah, in, hindsight, in hindsight, then you <laughs> 20 players, that's quite good to be honest. So, I mean, I thought <laughs> you were about to homage, I, thought,
1: I can't
0: be Shea Adams in a minute, you know. You're
1: <laughs> everyone, <laughs> I couldn't believe I was no Thierry Henry. I was
2: like, what? I, I think How it's because me and Ollie Moore went for like focused on like kind of our generation. Like Obviously, Rooney yeah. was part of the, the Naughty's era but a lot of the time he did spend kind of still winning the leagues when Sir Alex was there and I still remember that quite clearly whereas Henri, the only goal I can like picture him scoring is that one against Leeds But when he came back you're, you're yeah remembers it mate yeah. yeah when he came back yeah when he came back um, yeah, after he, I so I think of course if I was to consider it the whole perspective I think I would be somewhat similar to you in terms of Aguero's placement because you, you can't not look at Shearer's goals and stats for that and Thierry Henry was just a different kind of player um, you know And you, obviously watching clips isn't the same as watching it live yeah. um, but you know I mean when stats are, are that prominent they speak for themselves really but in terms of kind of our generation I think he would be
0: higher up so that's why yeah. I kind of put him second. Yeah, that's what I mean. I'm, I'm pretty sure I said as much as I can remember because I, I can't remember seeing Thierry Henry play. I've seen, obviously, highlights and clips and stuff like that. But I mean, I'm like you guys. I think I got into football a little bit later. So, I mean, I can't really... Remember that that sort of, oh, and I don't want to go off highlights because I mean, if you put highlights of Thierry Henry and Aguero, all you're going to see are positive things. Obviously, unless you watch a compilation of their worst moments, which obviously speaks to <laughs> itself. But I mean, so, so I can't really speak to it. So mine was kind of going off what I can remember. And um, from what I can remember, you know, Aguero has been one of the, if not the best, like I said, striker in the Premier League. From one departure to another however this time it's in the shape of the England under 21s as they were eliminated for the second consecutive time in the group stage of a major tournament now a lot's being said around the team there was high hopes going into it because if you look at it on paper it's a very strong squad but the manager has called the job mission impossible saying that if anyone's in it to win games and not develop players then they're in the wrong job so you know, a lot of people have got a lot of things to say on this. Nathan, as well as saying that it's mission impossible, he completely s- disagrees that he's not even developing the player. So I'm just going to get straight to Nathan because this guy's got some big views and he's going to tell us now. <laughs>
1: there you go. You're going to be firmly... when <laughs> the views is kind of the, the general opinion. He's, he's not good enough for the job. But it's as simple as that. He's, he's He wasn't good enough for the job when he got it and he's still not good enough for the job now. He was a failed club manager He's become a failed international manager and I'm sure, I'm sure he's a nice guy. But, but he's not good at his job, you know. It he he can That squad is so talented, and and I'm not saying it should win the Euros. I mean, France's 21 squad is good enough to <laughs> to put a dent in the World Cup. Like it's, it's a good, it's a very good squad. Portugal got good on the 21 squad. And there's a few other countries that are probably on a level with us. But these players are Premier League and Championship regulars on the most part. That but in this squad, you sort of go over the starting eleven. You know, I'll, I'll talk more about Curtis Jones in a, in a minute. In a minute, but I mean, he's a Liverpool regular, and. You know, just a whole bunch of others. I mean, you go through that squad. You, put this player's good. This player's Eze, Brewster. You know, these sort of players. It's the second year in a row, and it's the second. It's a different squad from last time, and it's the second time they failed in the same way. Not good enough. The problem last year was defending, and you know, in, I read. I made. I did an article on it, and when I was doing the research, the in the last tournament they they lost two games, or, or lost points in two games from the last five minutes where they conceded three against Romania and two against France. So that was the problem going into the tournament. This problem is England have just been so poor going forward with probably a more exciting attacking lineup. Smith Rowe, Eze, and some fantastic players. He, he's just not good enough for the role. Um, and in, in terms of not developing players, I, the under 21 system has been great for, for England to, to get players through. And it, and it has something that Southgate is very fond of because obviously he, his worked there previously. But. <laughs> You have the likes of Tanganga, who, who was playing right, they went to a back four, the first game played a back five, second game back four. Instead of going with the out-and-out fullback Max Nance, he chose Tanganga, who's a fantastic player. But he's a fantastic centre-back, he's not a fantastic right-back. Is he ever going to play right-back for England? No, he's not. He's a centre-back with a lot of potential, he's never going to touch right-back for England. There's about 17 different right-backs for England who could play there before him. So, and then Curtis Jones playing in, not playing in the midfield. If Curtis Jones gets into that England side, he's going to play in central midfield. Davis Skip, great players, very similar, very similar players. That, I mean, it's the same, you know, people moan about how Rice and Phillips should not play together in the England team, in England senior team. It's the exact same problem. And so, he has to go, he has to go. It, there's no time for it. It's
0: funny that you yeah, said he, about that duo for the main England team because I know Kieran when the lineup was announced with those two in the centre park was fuming at it. So Kieran, <laughs> what do you have to say? Because I mean, he just said that. Like, I can remember you clearly saying it to me. Saying, "Why has he done this? This guy is delusional. So do you think he should be sacked? We're not Southgate here. We're not on about here. We're on about. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Nathan's
2: right. Uh, it must be an England manager thing. Um, so I like this player so much that I'm going to play another player who's pretty much the same as him. You know, they just, they just counteract each other. This is why... It, you, you, I hate the words double pivot. It gets on my nerves so much because it makes you sound like you're some fanatical football fan who knows everything that you need to know about football. And what it's basically saying is two midfielders that play a bit deep is what it is really. I still think that the better thing to do is to have one player that does the deeper role because he, as that player, can shepherd across the the midfield, the back line, clear up any mistakes or mess or what have you. If you get two players that do that job, which is exactly what Rice and Phillips do, they literally play in the same position, It just they just get in each other's way. You know, it's, it's like you look at uh, FIFA formations, four triple two, the second one, where you can have two DMs. Regardless of what it means that oh, it's a formation on FIFA, so it's it works. No, it doesn't work. Having two holding midfielders doesn't work. And that's exactly what Eddie Boothroy did. And I don't understand it, especially when you've got someone like Curtis Jones and you've got all those attacking players. Why not release more of them? You know, such an attacking kind of setup that they've got there. And you're playing two of the same player. Burn off Tom Davis. You know, I know he's got Premier League experience, but Skip is 10 times the player he is. You know, like, I just... I don't understand it. And you know, that was kind of the downfall of it. As soon as you start chopping and changing in a major tournament, changing the system and whatnot, it, it's just not going to go well. And to, to come back to Nathan's point about Tanganga, he's a very good right back. But I do think he's a better centre-back. So to, to have someone and play him out of position, I, I don't understand quite as much. And The funny thing is about this is obviously the last game for the under-21s was at the time of recording this yesterday. And they actually played really well, you know, in the large part. Dwight McNeil was very good. Curtis Jones was very good. And Kessie is terrible. I think he's an awful footballer. Uh, I'm sure he's a lovely bloke. And he, he does score goals, but he's just not really that good. Um, but Curtis Jones, Eze and McNeil just absolutely run the show going forward. And they looked so so deadly, you know. Curtis Jones's goal, which, you know, was going to send England through until Croatia scored, was... A brilliant instinctive finish um and the scenes after the match with him were obviously you know quite upsetting but also kind of kind of good because i mean the bloke cares and you can clearly see that you know and i think that's one of the biggest things about footballers now is if, if you have that passion then you you, you want to win games and it almost feels like both Roy doesn't have that passion by saying it's a developmental thing yeah i understand yeah your job is largely to develop people but you still want to win. Like, you look at Premier League 2 teams, academy teams, yes, this is not their end goal, obviously, because they will get older. But what's the excuse for not winning, especially when you've got such a talented crop of players? So I I really don't understand where that came from. You know, I think that's kind of... He's realised he's in deep water and that's kind of the last trick in the book of trying to relieve some pressure. But for me he's got to go. And and to coin a, a phrase that's, you know, kind of sadly come up more recently in memory and respect and love to Claude is, but Eddie Boothworth, it is time to go. <laughs> it really is.
0: You say about excusing uh, in not winning games and stuff like this. Nathan, I'm going to point this question to you. Okay. The England squad, the under, I'm on about the under-21s when I say this, it's got a lot of players in it which have experienced the negative side of football in terms of being relegated. So you've got, obviously, you've got the Sheffield United goalkeeper Ramsdale, I think. I'm going to say his name wrong. You've obviously got Bruce who's probably going to go down with Sheffield. You've got Max Aarons on the right. So, do you, and with the England team consistently losing recently, you know, last year and such things, then with, in their own teams, they're getting relegated, they're losing. Obviously, I know you want Curtis Jones, but he's been in a Liverpool side that's been losing. Have they got that winning mentality? Because they're in actual teams which are losing. They're in the under-21 teams. It can't help. Maybe the other players just, you know, they aren't haven't got the right mentality to actually, you know, kickstart the uh, under-21 team.
1: I think some players will be coming in from poor club environments. That's Sheffield United. You know, it's probably not very good over there, especially with all that's going on. I think Norwich will be all right because I think they're dominating the Championship right now. They're, they're doing very well. and A lot of them players, the Championship ones, they tend to be in clubs that are, are doing all right. Win in obviously, um, and then there are some that, that aren't, but that's the nature of international football. Everyone's coming from different places, there's some environments that aren't going to be so good, there are some environments that are going to be really good to play in. But it, it just comes down to, the players aren't blameless, the players aren't blameless, you know, no one's saying that this is all Grufford's fault, but you have to, this is twice in a row and this is the second crop of players. I mean, this first crop of players featured the likes of Mason Mount and Fikeo Tomori when they was making their breakthroughs at Derby under Lampard, had Dean Henderson after his season at Sheffield United. Same failures, you know, and, and they didn't get out of the group stage. And I mean, it may be a, a, a larger problem with the FA's recruitment. Well, we were just looking before we started on this with five of the last six tournaments they failed to get out of the group stage. So maybe it's an even deeper issue than what we realise. And it might have come down to, to the mentality of the players. And it, but I feel like that can be instilled in them with a, the, the the right manager. We've seen the under-20s have had success. The under-17s have had success. They're even younger, they, they've not developed that you know, they've not been around football to develop that proper, you know, we're going to win everything, that winning, you know, proper member mentality, as the late Kobe Bryant would say. So it, it, it might be a structural problem, really. And, and Bufoy strikes me as, again, I don't know him, so maybe this is a bit harsh, but kind of a, a yes man. That that's why they kept him in a job the first time. It's because he's not going to provide many problems. It's the same reason Steve Bruce is still at Newcastle. It's because he's not going to provide much trouble to the owners, at, for, in this case, the FA when really they, they could recruit someone who is on it. and With under-21s, it's very diff- it's difficult to identify who because you don't know who would want that job as an under-21s manager. Because if you're looking at more like coaches and people like that, and we, let's be honest, we don't have a great knowledge of the, who coaches who and, and what's that, aside from managers. So you're looking at different players, but Buford is not the man. Failed at Northampton. Failed, I mean, he was coming off a spell at Northampton, where they were bottom of League Two and he got sacked. And then his next job was England number 20s, where he was then promoted to England number 21s. Budget. And for all credit to him, it started off, wet, off well with winning the two long tournament. I remember that I think, Matt Grimes' that tournament, while he was still at Exeter um, for that one. But it was from then on; it's just not worked. And, and when something's not working, you have to you have to fix it. And then he has to go.
0: But you, you're saying it's not working. In his words, he said he's there to develop players, and obviously, credit's got to be given to the clubs that they're actually at. They're they're not at England as much as they are as at actual clubs. But players going, are going into the first team. You've got Dean Henderson, you've got Mason Mount, you've got Jude Bellingham. He clearly said he was expecting to have Jude, he was expecting to have Mason Mount and obviously he was expecting to have Greenwood. So things haven't always gone his way in terms of injuries going into this. But Kieran, do you think in terms of what he was actually saying in terms of expecting to have certain players and, you know, saying that his job is to develop players, do you not think he's kind of doing that? Obviously, credit can't just be given to him, like I said, the clubs, but he's got a part to play in them being pushed up to the, to the first team i mean for me
2: his part to play in it is get these players playing in an international tournament at a high level experiencing the highs and lows and the drama of being in a knockout game a quarterfinal a semi-final a final i, I mean i'm i look at these under 21 teams and england should have breezed through that group really you know portugal were fantastic um they i can understand them finishing top but croatia were bang average they really were uh and If you compare the time spent for these players at their club and at their international camp, it's vastly different, you know, 95 to 5%. It's the club's job really to develop those players. His job is to develop them, but in my eyes, it's to develop them by bringing them onto that international stage and competing at the highest levels of the game further on in, in the round. You know, I really don't think it's a good enough excuse to just say I'm... I've only spent two three weeks in them but I'm still developing them it's like I just I don't think that's true I think to develop them at a club level yes one-to-one training yes 10-minute cameo appearances you know you've got all those cup games and things like that that you can fall on but on the international stage for me it's about the experience of playing at those later rounds as opposed to playing minutes you know at the end of a first team game which you're winning it's It's not about staying late after training, arriving early and wanting to learn and play. In that moment, those players have got to take what they've learned from the club and apply it into the international stage. And I think at the end of the day, yes, developmental parts of it is is key. But for me, I think the majority should be on winning because you can have the development side of things at, at the players club, but on the international stage, you want to get to those later rounds you want to experience the tempo the high drama of those situations and he hasn't done that twice so I think that kind of answers itself
0: really for me I mean I I, I feel like he's getting a lot of sticker and I'm, I'm not by any means going to say that I think he's the man for the job I, I'm going to say no I haven't watched a single one of the under 21 games but I think that's why what I'm about to say is my view that at the end of the day obviously we won all of the England teams to be successful. But you want your main one to be the one, if any of them, you want them to be winning trophies. And and I know they're not winning um, in the Under-21s. Obviously, they've crashed out. They're in an appalling campaign. But you look at the youth that's coming up through. They're going into the first team. You've got Mason Mount, you've got Jude, you've got Dean Henderson. You've got all these players that are going up. Clearly, the youth system is working. Now, like I said, you want the other teams to win, yes. But at the end of the day, the one you care about most and the one that's going to come under the spotlight the most is the main team. So, obviously, we don't know if that's Southgate, whether that's the coaches, whether that's just the player themselves have got the ability to make that step, or if it is uh, the Under-21's coaching staff, making it, them available to be, be the sort of player they are in the first team. But I feel like some credit's got to be given to them because there's no way those players can just make that jump without, it, without some support from the Under-21 team. So, at the end of the day, in my opinion, yeah, OK, we want them to win, but the priority is to get them into the first team. That's what they're there for. So when he said the priority isn't to win games, it's to develop the youth. I completely agree with him in that, in that sense. Yes, I think he, he can't be that that flippant with it. He needs to be able to win in games. But his main priority as under-21 boss is to get the under-21s into the first team. He doesn't want to see the same players sticking around it, for two, three years. He wants to see them go up.
1: So when, you, when you've watched Phil Foden at Man City, do you credit his development to his one campaign with England under
0: 21 no not at, no. All, not at all he doesn't no, spend and they don't spend enough can't time you a group of youth players to jump into a team and just to hit it off we, people say all I the time that can't, have. you can't a team <laughs> 11, you can't just get best players in the world put them in a team and expect them to work it's the coaches on the international level to get them to gel them to get them to work well and they're trying to do that at the same time as enabling them to fit the same tactical setup as the first team so it's, some credit has got to be given for the ability for Mason Mount to walk from one team to to another, to get due one team to another, credit's got to be given to the first, to the uh, under-21 management and where way they're doing it. Yes, players like Foden, it goes down to Pep Guardiola, it goes down to the players and the management at their original team. But some credit has got to be given for how easy it is for these players to make that step up. No.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: OK, right, I, all right. <laughs> I see where you're coming from, I do.
2: I think you're wrong and I will explain why. Based on what I've said about the winning and the, the development side, these players that are coming through yes they're great players but without that already established experience in the later rounds of tournaments at the under 21 level can we rely on them you know to to come on come off the bench or play and make that kind of big step look at last night's game in terms of England 1 Poland 1 2 it was what how long before Southgate made a substitution you know Until maybe he looks up. down maybe he looks down that line and thinks you haven't got enough experience in those high-pressure kind of situations. And that's what I'm saying. I understand the development side of it and credit has to go there. But you have to give them that experience later on in the stages when times are tough, when things aren't going their way, to dig deep and pull out performances from from absolutely nothing and and give it their absolute all. And if they're not getting that experience at under-21 level, I look at those kind of players, you know, McNeil, Jones, all, all kind of all those. And I think you haven't made it past the group stages why Why would you then feel like you could be relied on in the later stages? And I don't think that is completely down to the player. I do think that's a large part of it. It's down to kind of the management and how they've been set up. You know, the players don't decide the formation. You know, I, I think it's completely ludicrous, at least with, with Southgate when he played the back five. I mean, we all thought it was pretty crap, but at least he stuck to it. You know, that was the formation. Chocking and changing it like that is a management decision. And if, if you hold your hands up and get it wrong,
0: fair enough. But... Roy, I think he's just coming up with excuses, which is why I really don't back it at all. I'm not I'm not sitting here and I'm saying that I think he should keep the club. I'm not saying that at all. Obviously, track record speaks for himself. Like you said, poor in League Two, poor at England, on 21. But I don't think all the critics... I think some praise needs to be given, whether that's to him or whether to the background staff, to make that jump from one team to the other as easy as it has been. A lot of players are making that step up quite early on in their careers. Like I've already named the other three, and there's bound to be more, more people that I have forgotten. And there will be more, probably, by the time by, when we speak this time next year. It's just the way that England football's going. We have a lot of good youth players coming up and stepping straight up into the first team. And credit has to be given to certain ones. Obviously. Certain players do make the jump. I I may be wrong here, but I'm pretty sure. Didn't Ollie Watkins just jump straight in? Was he? He didn't play that yeah, much. Yeah, no, he never
1: played 20 minutes. Like, That's yeah. what I'm
0: saying. So I mean, obviously, certain players do just make that jump. But certain players do make, you know, go through the whole way. The majority of them do go through the whole way, and they get that tactical, like sort of setup, embedded into their brain. You're on about that back five. That's probably not him choosing that. That's him going off the tacks of the first team. Because their job is to get them ready for that step up. He changed it, clearly thinking, you know, it doesn't work for these players. I'm not going to risk getting them ready for that. I'm going to put it. And it didn't work. Fair enough, it didn't work. But his job is to get them ready, and players are making that jump up. So some credit has to be given, whether to him or background staff, but they're doing something right. I'm not saying enough to keep them in the job, but I'm saying some credit needs to be given when it's due. And clearly, for players to make that jump up, something's going right in some places.
1: He's doing the bare minimum. Give him credit for for doing the bare minimum of developing players. That's the whole point of the system. The system doesn't if they don't develop players, then you might as well scrap it all. So fair play. He, he done. He did okay at the start. Again, two long tournament was successful, and maybe he's got players in from he got got players into playing in the England system. But I mean, in the whole touching what you said before about um, the we have a squad of players all coming in from different circumstances. So does everyone else? Like, do you know what I mean? So does everyone. why can't we have? Why can't we be successful? They don't all play for one club in France. The France some 21 team don't all play for the same team. Spanish ones. Why can't we be? We all can't we have some success with our under 21 team? Our under 20s team didn't come from the same team. Who
0: was our manager prior? Southgate. Exactly. That, that
1: but Bufroyd is not good enough for that <laughs> role. <laughs> but the <laughs> thing with Southgate yeah. is no one wanted Southgate when he joined. No-one wanted Southgate when join. you joined. Southgate failed at the Under-21.
0: That's what I'm saying. You're saying we've lost five out of the, like, we we've for we've England job. the last six, right? Southgate was failing just as much as this guy was. And now, look, people are probably going to say, it's, I know it's still split over Southgate, but he's still done that. And he's still, you know, so I'm getting some plaudits. So, to say that it's clearly ingrained that something is going wrong at that level for us not doing it, you can't just blame this guy when he's just continued the failure that was already there at the club. So, now we're taking out on that guy it's, I just think it's a bit unfair when that's the whole, he that's normal. was in a poor position. He just, yeah, okay, clearly he wasn't the right man to up it, but who is? Southgate, who is now, nice little changes. Uh, <laughs> 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 sorry, sorry. Um, but Southgate was there when it was doing rubbish. He's taken over a team. And, you know, granted, he's not really improved them, although he did. He'd got, what, did he do the most success in the last couple of years? It was okay. him and Southgate combined. Yeah. So, so there was a bit of success. However, we can't just keep attacking this guy when he took over from a team that was doing just as bad.
1: But we'd be having the same conversation if Southgate was still in that role and England was still failing. It yeah, doesn't change. Doesn't change. If a club is bad, you look at the manager. And no, again, it, it probably is a structural problem with the FA. But right I'm now, there's saying, a man in charge of the club who is not good enough for the role. Wasn't good enough for the role when he got it is still not good enough for the role, and he had a bit of success. I'm he's not, doing I'm the bare not, minimum like, like of developing the team.
0: Like I've said, if the there's nothing, times, I'm not defending him as the manager. All no, no. no, no. <laughs> I am saying some credit needs to be given to him when he's done well in some places, and obviously he needs to take the criticism like a man when it's done. But I'm saying... All that's going to happen is we'll bring a new manager and going off trends. Southgate, him now someone else will come in if he leaves or gets sacked, right? And we'll be having the same argument, same discussion, saying, "Look, we failed again, more than likely, because the trend shows and speaks for itself." So something needs to be done about the setup of the way that it's happening and from higher up, because to be fair, managers do... can't just fail, and it can't—you just can't blame the manager. You've got to blame something that's going on above them.
1: With Where, Southgate. You know, obviously we said about Southgate in the Under-21s, I think it didn't go very well, He did But what Southgate did with the senior team, and I believe this to be important in the Under-21s team as well, he instilled a mentality. I think he learned a lot of lessons from that job. Southgate is still, in, in terms of management, actually fairly new to it. He's he's not had a lot of job, jobs, unlike Buford, who has been a, a career manager. He's done it for a long time. So Southgate knows, learned a lot from that spell, and then he's instilled a mentality with the England squad, which, regardless of what people say about the World Cup run, right, got us to the semi-finals of a major tournament. Has, had we qualified for the Nations League semi-finals before that, obviously, I think we failed last time, but we, we got to the um, Nations League semi-finals um, in, in his first run in that tournament. So he learned a lesson. We need, what I think England 21 needed is, is kind of a progressive coach. ADB Freud is not that man. We need a progressive coach who can instil modern mentalities into these footballers. ADB Freud is a manager whose best success was in 2006. We need a manager and a coach, and a coach if that implies an overhaul of the whole 21s. And it, it needs a progressive manager who can help these players develop in a modern way as well as and also gain some success because you if can you get success is game, a great way to do it.
0: Southgate. I, I think Southgate should go personally. I'm just saying.
1: I disagree, but that's nothing to do with this conversation.
0: Have a complete overhaul.
1: Overhaul of the under 21s, because there's not everyone's been unsuccessful.
0: No, 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 no but personally, you're saying about the success of the England team. If you look at the games that we've been successful in, all right, if you look at the games that we've been successful in, we're successful against all the little teams. We come up against the bigger teams, and that's when we fall. We, we struggled against Poland. We struggled at the first big hurdle we had in the Euros. So we just fall flat when we come against a team that's actually got a reputation. You, you See, you, I'm, I'm looking, looking at this on. Look,
2: look, I've, I've kind of sat back and let you both delve into this. But it, from where I'm sitting, it seems like you both kind of want the same things. It's just kind of your portrayal of it and you think that more credit should go there and I don't think a massive overhaul is needed I do think there is one needed at the end of 21s and how exactly they can take themselves going from just developing to actually being successful and winning because look at the track record it's it's not good at all um and and I think from where I'm sat and you know you're bringing all these talented group of players together obviously it's going to be difficult to get them kind of playing together and I, I think Nathan's absolutely right in terms of a progressive coach that's needed, someone who someone who knows how to win. You know, I, I think that's, you know, look at Booth with his last job. I, I don't think that you're kind of defending AD Booth or really. I think it's just more the, the comments about the developmental side of it that you're kind of suggesting he should be cre- credited for. But as kind of Nathan's already said, and I'm going to say again, is that's literally the job you know if you're an academy manager it's not that's not the final step that's not the final hurdle the final hurdle is getting into that first team and then moving on and going from there so to say that you should get credit for that i just think is wrong because it i mean you should get some credit absolutely but to say to have that save his job and to cloud the fact that england and 21 can't win for me
0: just doesn't like seem right or add up when i was going to pop back onto the whole Southgate thing here. I know we weren't going to talk about. I'm going to just put it on. I know we're running out of time. But in terms of Southgate, OK, we've already turned around and criticised his tactical choice of having those two holding midfielders against, you know, a team that we should be going out and free-flowing attack. But once again, OK, we look at this. And I said a minute ago that we fall and we get to hard, hard hurdle. OK, look, I've got the fix up here. We only just beat Poland 2-1, OK? You go back, we beat, you know, and we beat and draw to either low teams. Belgium, we lost 2-0. OK, we lost to Denmark before that. OK, granted, we beat Belgium before that, but then we fail at Denmark. We only just beat Iceland. We come up against other teams. Where is it? Um I came up against other teams but we're just going through loads of stupid teams in, like Montenegro and stuff like that.
1: Where's but it? Fran- the, 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 looking, looking at England's are. qualification results isn't going to get you much because France are never good qualification. Didn't they? They got held by like some dead teams. Spain have struggled in qualification. How
0: can we? How can we be praising Southgate for beating teams like Montenegro and stuff like that when we? No
1: one said that. No one said that. No, England's under. Give them credit to Boothroyd. He navigated through qualifying very well.
0: But no one is saying. You have faith in Southgate. If we come up against the big teams, that we're going to beat them. Because this, I,
1: I, I don't think we've got the best. I think people overestimate how good we are. I don't think we're better than Belgium. I, I don't no, think I we're think, better than I think
0: England. So we is, are
1: losing to teams we should lose to. England really.
0: have got no. I disagree. England have got a team capable of doing much better against the bigger teams that we do. We don't play that exciting football against the bigger teams. And when we even play against the the worst teams, as we've already discussed, we put out the wrong tactics. If we're talking about an overhaul, I just personally, I've said this from the start. I don't think Southgate's the right man for England. He doesn't. He just doesn't seem to do well. Again, he beats teams. I could take over that England team and beat the teams that he's beating. And I would lose the teams that he's losing. It's not right, Again, because that I squad think. isn't
1: good. At, the England squad is, is not as good as people estimate it to be. There are teams that are better than us and we lose to them. Surprise. That's how football works most of time. Of course, we could do better. Well, but semi, be if you can't really do much, much better. Be did
0: we beat Teams up? losing
2: out. Te- yes, of course. But you're yeah, going to okay. have bad no, results. It's because your captain. stupid captain got sent off, wasn't it?
0: What? <laughs> 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 theory, he was he's just dipped. But, well, come on, His come laptop's
1: on. died, by the way, guys. That's happening. No, I couldn't respond to all of you because my
0: Do you think <laughs> though, if you actually look at it, do you think that going forward Southgate is the right man looking off the tactics, looking off the results against the higher teams? You're saying this, people we've got what many people receive as one of the best strikers in the world in Harry Kane. Right, you've got the likes of Sterling, you've got Jaden Sancho, you've got Jude Bellingham coming through. You've got, you know, all these talented, talented players coming into this team, and you're saying that we're not good enough to beat certain teams, and that we're not, we're failing when we come up against people like Denmark. Come on, I
1: I think I don't think we've got the best squad. So, you know, of course, I'd love us to win things, but. And, and the Denmark loss isn't good enough, but there's going to be isolated examples again. We could go through Didier Deschamps' reign as, as France manager and they're go not, through some bad isolated. performances, bad results.
0: They're not isolated, are they are. We face a big or a mid team, we seem to stumble. What the, mid teams you
1: know we do play think, how, we don't do you, we have in the long world, we don't I run through long teams long that, do you think south i south think south. he deserves a chance like, right who would you get in there i don't, I don't think i think he deserves
0: a chance I'm i not think gonna, he deserves I'm a chance say, to prove the Euros. here the who should
1: who should we should, get, we get in, in there.
0: international jobs so I, i'm not going to turn into that because I, I don't know all right yeah and that's easy for me to say get him but i don't know who we're going to bring in however all I'm saying is if we want long-term success and you want to ingrain success from the youth there's no point in grading the success in the youth if we're not going to have it in the main team. And under Southgate, we're not going to have it. I, think, I, th- I think. Now, I think I'm just saying, you're talking about getting success from the youth up to get the. What ready do you
1: grant as success for England, though? What's your idea of success for England?
0: England, whether or not you like it or not, have got a good enough team to be competing at the highest level. And when I mean the highest level, obviously, yeah, we're probably going to go to the World Cup. But I mean, get into the semi final, get into the final. Because that is a solid, solid. What
1: happened the last time we were in the World Cup and the Nations League? Well, last time got knocked out of group stage, but before that, Nations semi-final, World Cup semi-final, you can't argue with with semi-finals. And Croatia loss wasn't good enough to be fair. But we've achieved more than what we expected. So I think the 2018 World Cup we exceeded we lucky everyone's door. expectation. We've you got can, you through. can only play you play against though. Gonna, I'd,
0: I'd... Yeah, but, yeah, that's true. You're be, you can beat you. Put against, but at the end of the day, if we were put against the other teams, if we got our harder draw, we wouldn't have got there. And I'm not saying a harder draw like getting Spain, Belgium, France. I'm on about getting, for instance, when we failed against Denmark. We just keep getting easy ones. We keep getting stuff like Iceland, and stuff like that. It's and I mean, they beat us in there at one point. So I mean, no, that, was, that
1: was Hodgson. Hodgson.
0: Yeah. So, that was uh, come on, it's. I just think there needs to be changed. I think he deserves
1: uh, a chance. I I. I... Look, I think he's earned another chance, regardless of what people think, so he's earned another chance. A World Cup cannot be argued with, regardless of who he played. He deserves a chance in the Euros. And look, if he's not successful in the Euros, then I will, you know, I'm not close-minded enough to be like, right, Southgate's the man, give him, give him the Man United job when he's done. You know, I'm not saying that, but I think <laughs> I think he's he's done a good enough job with England. And he's especially, he's restored the faith in a, in a country... It, that struggled to connect with their football team for the longest time. Oh yeah,
0: time. I've, I've got a lot of faith. To be fair, that I can go, we can go out and we can beat Montenegro. I'm so happy that I've got that faith in my. I,
1: I mean, you can look at qualifying as much as you want. Again, I'll bring you back to the example of the best country in the world, France. I mean, they're not impressed in qualifying. S- took Spain, you know, however long to, to beat Georgia and Greece. It, you know, Germany just lost to North Macedonia, which is which is humiliating result. So we can look at quality. You can never analyse these games because you're always going to be disappointed. You expect to go in and win. And then when you don't win 10 nil, 11 0 you're a bit like, oh, oh no, this is not good enough, you, you know. So you can never win with these 12. It's like when you get like a really low team in the FA Cup. You, you it's a lose-lose because you, you have you have to win and you have to win style. It's not always going to happen. We're in a, a really congested season. Players are tired. Players are tired and players are playing like they're tired. It's fatigue. It's football. The quality of football has gone down in in general um, because of the congestion. I w- want to give them a chance in the Euros. I mean, I'm not in charge of making decisions, but. Uh, he will get a chance to Euros, and hopefully he can impress with this this squad. I think this squad's good enough. It depends on our draw. It's good enough for a semi-final. I'd be expecting at least quarter-final. And if we lose to a team that are better than us, you know, i.e. Belgium or France, I mean, you, you have to look at the performances. It's not something you can just look at on paper. So, I, I think Southgate deserves a chance. When the Euros are finished, we'll, we'll look over it again. I'm sure we'll talk about it on here. And and we'll, we'll go from there, you know. I, but does he deserves a chance.
0: All right, so basically what we've rounded up here is Sergio Aguero, one of the best in Premier League history. All right, we've got the under-21 manager should be sacked and then you've got Southgate should follow in suit, according to me. So, you know. And
1: that wraps up the 1-2 Football podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We're now available on all major podcast platforms and social media platforms, either at 1-2 Football or at 1-2 Football UK. And then also, if you want to take a look at 1-2 Football.com for the latest written pieces from our growing list of contributors around the world.